gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Well, as soon as Jack Grealish was made captain, the script was written. Him lifting the Championship trophy, getting his boyhood club to the Premier League. He will always be Aston Villa's Jack Grealish. We're back. Welcome back to the Gathering in the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. As always, I'm Regan and I'm joined today by Mark. What's going on, guys? It feels so good to be back. I'm Mark Jarobi. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Got some things to discuss, Regan. I'm pretty pretty excited to sit down and talk with you about the Villa. Yeah, um, we, we've got a bit of a housekeeping to do, firstly. Um we, you know, we missed talking about the Norwich result because we were both uh, away from home. I was in Berlin, you were in Washington. Uh, you know, a little bit of a break during the international break. Um, but we, we've come back and we've we've announced uh, a hell of a lot of stuff uh, leading up to the uh, Brighton game. Um, we announced that uh, digital versions of... The first volume of the magazine are now available on our website. Uh, we've announced that certain articles will have a uh, audio description on them uh, for those that struggle with reading or uh, that may be dyslexic. And we've also announced the second volume of the magazine. Um, more information about that will come out shortly, uh, such as how you can pre-order it, release date, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a busy week for us. Yeah, I've been really excited getting back into it. Like Regan said, I was down in Washington D.C. I got to see a really really favorite band of mine, Idols. I got into thanks to all my you know English friends and whatnot. But um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of news, a lot of good stuff. Um, really excited about the the next. Uh, volume of the magazine that's going to be a lot of fun to put together and get everything and you know it's a, it's a it's a little hard it's a little difficult but you know we, we pull through and find a way so uh, I'm, ju- I'm just so excited about it yeah me too um i'm excited about uh, about getting it out there i'm not excited about the the work that has to go into it <laughs> well yeah you do you do a lot more than me because I, I i can't really help you I just have to give you moral support and you know anything you need graphics wise or writing wise i'm always there for you but yeah that, that's all on your shoulders man that, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hunker down there <laughs> yeah i'll get started soon um but let's let's digress and let's let's talk about the brighton game um you know, it was the first Villa game back after the international break, and really, it was it was a bit of a mixed bag game. Despite Villa getting all three points, uh, Villa looked a little lethargic in the opening stages, in my opinion. But really, you've got to give the credit to Brighton. They had Chris passing, smart overlaps, and they they put in the hard yards, um, and it really ensured that Villa was kept in their own half for extended periods of the the, the early contest. Yeah, early in the contest, uh, Brighton just looked like they were more up for it than Villa. And it, it sounds really simple because it is really simple. Um, really crisp passes. They were really hell-bent on attacking uh, Nakamba. I think that they kind of looked at him and seen that they could run through him a little bit. Uh, you know, Mui was, was running through the middle there. He got, got 
balls at some point in times and there was 15 yards around him where there was nobody around he could have sat down and tied his shoe got back up and continued to run forward um villa just didn't look good at all it was almost a complete 180 degree switch from what we saw at norwich uh brighton aren't a bad team they're a very defensively a stout team they've got good strikers up top uh, especially no malpe uh, and uh, Connolly's a threat as well but uh yeah it was just that that opening phase of play the, the first I just even say up to the 30th minute was just really, really dominant by Brighton and Villa had problems getting out of their own half. It was kind of shocking to see. Yeah, and you know, Brighton's dominance came to a boiling point in the 21st minute. Um, free kick saw that Adam uh, lost my lost my trail of thought. Then a free kick uh, was met by Adam Webster uh, at the uh, far post, and he headed to find uh, the back of the net. And you know, straight away it looked like it really wasn't going to be Villa's day. No, it didn't, and he was almost completely unmarked at the back stick, and, you know, you can't, I don't know, it's weird with free, with free kick opportunities like that, you know, sometimes you'll see, you know, a guy head it and it goes wide or it skims off his head just the wrong way, but Webster, you know, it was, it was a nice finish from a free kick opportunity. Uh, how Brighton got the free kick opportunity was a little questionable. Uh, that was the resulting yellow card against Horhan, I believe, where he slid in the back of a Brighton player and the ref didn't see the fact that it was a completely clean tackle so then it's a little bit of bad luck for Villa but I mean they didn't get their heads down and it, it didn't seem like um it didn't seem like the players got down as much as we've seen in the past if anything it kind of kind of made uh the the Villa players spur on a little bit and they kind of you know understood like hey we're we're kind of throwing this away here um so so yeah it, it was just the, the goal for Brighton was it, it was due. I mean, uh, you, you can say that way. It was. It's always not nice for me to say that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was definitely due for Brighton. Yeah, but it, you, as you said, it lit a uh, a fire under the arses of the Villa players. And uh, only fourteen minutes later, the game turned on its head a little bit. Um, Aaron Moy, who had already got a a yellow card uh, for impeding the the taking of a quick free kick. Uh, received his second yellow card for uh, a pretty bad tackle from behind on Jack Grealish. Um, I think I think both sets of yellows were warranted personally, um, but obviously straight away the, the the first thought that came into my head was uh, it's the man advantage. We're not going to do anything with this game now. Yeah, I was right there with you. Uh, you know, when my buddy Adam, I was watching the game with as well, said the same thing. He was like, this this isn't what we needed. Um, it, it, I think it's just a lack of confidence, if anything. I think it's, you know, playing with a man advantage is almost counterproductive for Villa. I, I think that the way that they play, they need that um, – they, they need 11 versus 11 football. It's just dragging players out of position. And when they can't and teams start to put 11 behind the ball, or even in Brighton's case, they want to, you know, break out with a quick counterattack. I, I, I think that, you know, an 11 man Villa versus a 10 man opposition doesn't know exactly what to do. Um, it's almost like it's too much space. So, you know, it, the, I, I think both yellow cards against Murray were justified, especially the tackle on Grealish that ultimately was his sending off. I I I seen a couple uh, Brighton supporters on Twitter saying, "No, oh, there's no way that's a dive." This and that, and I'm like, "He went studs up through the back of him. How can it be a dive?" It's just a, it's just a case of Jack Grealish, yet again, being you know being criticized one way or another. The man can't do anything right in, in some people's minds, but um, yeah, it definitely it definitely changed the entire course of the game, even to the point where Villa only had 30 33 percent possession up until the sending off, and immediately after the sending off, it shot up to 58 percent. So it completely turned the game around. Yeah, the sending off did, I guess, let let Villa come back into the game somehow, and um, you know it, it ended up paying off. Uh, Gilbert sent a high cross into the into the penalty area in the forty second, and uh, Matthew Ryan had trouble handling it. 
Uh, as he gets as he gets to the ball, his own defender gets in the way, and you know he he makes a mistake and drops the ball straight into the edge of the box where. Uh, John McGinn, who found Conor Horahan, and Horahan blasts the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, I thought it was a goal. I don't know why VAR even really had to step in for this. It was reminiscent of, of the goal we saw last year with McGinn in the playoff final to where the keeper just you know goes up to grab it, doesn't really you know come off for him, he drops the ball. I guess that they're saying that Wesley had a hand on the keeper and impeded him being able to touch the ball. I don't know. Did you hear anything else other than that, or is, is that what they're going with there? Yeah, it's it, when when uh, Matt Ryan's rising for the ball, Wesley's kind of got his like arm across like Ryan's neck, I suppose, um, and that's impeding him from making like you know a safe catch. Um, so that's why they are took it back and said, uh, you know, the goal doesn't stand. But really, when um, Horahan's taking the shot, Ryan's in a perfect position to save it. So it's a, I guess it's a trail of two thoughts, and we're not Premier League referees, so I guess we have to go with uh, that decision. But you know, I think VAR could be done better, especially in stadium. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion. At least I, I saw so on, on social media afterwards. Um, it just seemed like no one really knew what was going on, and you, you can't have that. Again, I've banged on about it in previous podcasts, but I don't think it gets fixed this season. I think it's going to be something that gets sorted out in the summer, and uh, it, it's, it's not a comfortable thing to hear, but I really believe that's how it is. But there, there's been, there was a few decisions that you know didn't get looked at that I, I felt should have, and, and especially in this one that got looked at, and it didn't. Like VAR needs to be on the spot to the point when something like that happens. If the goalkeeper's impeded, you need to get in that ref's ear immediately that's on the pitch and tell him, stop it. Stop it right now. Don't let play go on that's not helping anybody that's not doing anything for the game you know it's even to the fact where dean smith in his post-match post-match presser said that he saw nothing wrong with the goal it takes too long you can't even celebrate now i'm scratching my head i don't think var is working personally in in my experience that's a direct quote from dean smith you have a head coach in the premier league that doesn't know when is what's a goal when is when a goal should be awarded when it shouldn't all these things come into play and that's embarrassing for the premier league it's embarrassing for the game of football they got to get it sorted out i just i I really do feel my heart it's not going to be worked out until the summer I think it does need does need changes though, and I mean, like you know, you've got prominent figures within the game saying the exact same thing, you know, like Alan Shearer, Gary Lineker. But regardless, you know, that it was another thing to light a fire under Aston Villa, and the next few minutes saw our captain Jack Grealish kick it up a notch. Um, you know, you could almost feel that the VAR decision, I guess, made him even more determined to bring the game back level before before half time. Um, he he did just that really on the stroke of of the uh, the end of the first half. Um, he dribbled from the right hand flank into the heart of the Brighton defence before laying it off to Wesley, who found Frederick Gilbert bombing forward. Um, and the Frenchman slotted a perfect low pass into Grealish, who uh, who almost sits on the ball, and luckily it goes into the net. Yeah, it was probably a case of just Jack continuing his run and, and, and the ball kind of got there. But like a lot of appreciation should go to Gilbert. I thought it was a really nice pass. It, it was almost kind of one of those like sweaty FIFA goals a little bit. But if it works, it works and no one's going to be upset about it. Um, I, I think that for Grealish, he needs to keep doing this where he's finding a player and continuing his run. Too many times, especially last year in the championship, you'd see him pass the ball and, and he would almost like stop or just kind of just like deaccelerate a little bit. Like he wouldn't exactly get as forward after passing as he did to get to that point of making a pass, if that makes sense. So I, th- I thought it was a really nice goal, but uh, for sure, like the VAR decision, Jack 
you could almost see it. There were, there was his entire body language almost changed. It actually seemed like he was a little angry. Uh, you know, like he actually had like a, a massive, massive fire lit under him and he really wanted to make, be the man that made the difference. And, and, and he did. And that's what you want out of your captain. That's what you want out of a player like Jack Grealish, especially how polarizing he's been over the past few games. Now. Um, I, I, I hope he keeps this form up and this new role that he's sitting in and the tactics and everything, you know, I, I just, it, it's, it's a joy to watch. And especially, I mean, you can only play who you're lined up against. Brighton's not a bad team, regardless of what people think about them. So I, I think this was kind of one of those things where he he knew he had to almost put the team on his back, per se. But I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a nice goal, and, and it was justified, and it was needed, especially after the VAR decision took one away from Villa. Yeah, and you know, after the break, despite the fact that the Villa should have been two one up, um, that you know there was there was a cautious optimism um, about taking the lead, um, but. Really, for, for much of the second half, um, despite the majority of possession, they weren't really doing much with it. You know, it was the same old underwhelming performance playing against 10 men. Um, and, you know, Brighton forced Tom Heaton into a couple of saves. Um, it, it was it was a bit of... I don't know, it, it was a bit disappointing against a team that we expected to win against after the Norwich result. But... At the same time, you know, how, how do you analyze that? I think it's it's just a conglomeration of everything. So we had the 5-1 win against Norwich before an international break. That's peak Villa. Then we come into it, you know, after the international break and, you know, people were really, really excited for football to return and stuff like that, still with the fresh memory of a 5-1 win. Then you come into it, Brighton looks like they were playing Villa off the park for the first half hour. Um and that, you know, the red card happens, everything. A lot, emotions are high, basically, is what I was saying. But at, with the highness of the emotion, and then, you know, getting the, uh, get, you know, Brighton gets a red card and you have the man advantage now, it was incredibly underwhelming. It wasn't Villa's best game. They didn't perform well. And key players of Villa didn't really play well. So now you have this man advantage going in the second half of this Brighton game, and it was. It didn't feel like it. It felt like it was still eleven v eleven. Um, that's not good enough, at least for me. From from what I'm seeing and, and and you know analyzing the game, they were on the counterattack. They were literally just walking basically through the midfield, and there was nobody there. I mean, I get that you want to put players forward because you're trying to win the game. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to be you know defensively responsible and. Dean Smith really didn't switch things around to make them a little more defensively responsible until about the 73rd minute. Um, it, it was just a really, really strange to see. No Malpay was running the show for Brighton in terms of the, you know make, creating offensive opportunities and getting forward and finding his teammates in space off the left and right hand side of the, the flank. So pretty much in the middle of the park was still Brighton's even with a man advantage, and, and that's that's just disappointing to see. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why you why Villa can't you know, play better with the man advantage. Again, I think it's tactical. I think it comes down to the philosophy of Dean Smith mixed with the tactics that he's employs and he wants to see his players do. They need 11 v 11 football. I think when you take a man out, they overthink, they overplay balls, you know, and once they start backing a team up, they just don't know what to do when there's 11 men behind the ball. I, I mean, it's just my opinion. How do, how do you feel about it? Oh, I think, I think Brighton were playing for the draw, really. They, they subbed off, um, Connolly for I think Solly March and you know they, they were gonna put players in their own half pack their own half and make it hard for Villa and you know if, I, I think maybe Villa's substitutions maybe could have come a bit earlier um, 
you know, Trezeguet, Douglas Luis, and Ke- uh, Keenan Davis were all introduced, but you know, it really nothing nothing was really coming off, and that's because Brighton were happy to to leave Villa Park with a point. Um, and you know, the, despite the fact that we won, you've got to call out certain bad performances. Um, Anwar Al Ghazi deservedly was substituted off in the seventy sixth minute, and he'd had a. A pretty poor performance. He he completed eighteen of nineteen attempted passes, but zero of these passes into the final third found a Villa man. And it, I guess it really you've got to kind of look at who's performing underwhelmingly in in situations like this and in games like this. Yeah, and I expect a player like Anwar Al Ghazi. Once you know we have a man advantage, I expect him to be on fire. I expect him to completely expose the right hand side of that pitch. I want him to get as forward as possible. I want him to send crosses into the box. I'd like him to cut forward a little bit, try to find Jack or try to find Wesley. Um, he didn't do any of these things. He had a poor performance, and and there, there's there's no two ways about it. There's not a, a different train of thought. You can be like, oh well, he really wasn't that bad. As a winger in the Premier League, you completed 18 of 19 passes. You made 19 passes all game. Come on. He's got to be better than that. Dean Smith's got to know he's got to be better than that. The only saving grace when it comes to El Ghazi is usually when he has a performance like this, he usually bounces back. But is he going to bounce back against, you know, the teams that we're playing in the next three? That remains to be seen. I would love that. I would I would love it. But I think coming off of two assists against Norwich and then the performance he put on against Brighton, it looked like two totally different players. He wasn't tracking back defensively. He was he was getting caught out. His individual duels were not very good whatsoever. So it, the, the whole package from El Ghazi just wasn't good enough. Uh, um, I, I don't know if it was a mentality thing. I don't know if it was, you know, I, I don't know. He seems to be just a really, really streaky player the more that I'm watching him. And I don't know if that's going to be good enough, I guess, going forward. And it's not to slag the guy off. I, I really, really like Anwar Gazi. I've always been a really, really big fan of his. Yeah, I've written about him multiple times and only in the most positive lights. But there comes a point in time where you need him to be a little bit more consistent. And let's hope we see that going forward. Yeah, I think... I think really he is, you know, we, we spoke about it loads of times. He's one of those players that just thrives on a good performance. And I think he, he has a good performance. Follows it up by two okay ones. And then, you know, you were back to square one and we're waiting for that next good performance again. Um, but, you know, D- Dean Smith did change things around a bit. I think it could have happened maybe a little bit sooner. Um, but he introduced Douglas Lewis and Keenan Davis and, and kind of, changed where players were situated on the pitch. Uh, John McGinn was almost playing on the right-hand side, and, and Jack moved into a more central role, I guess, um, with Nakamba and Luis filling the gaps of uh, central defensive midfielders. And this this kind of showed that Dean Smith was hell-bent on not settling for a point. He wanted the win. Um, and luckily for, for Villa, uh, he got the win. Uh, with around, I wouldn't even say less than 20 seconds remaining uh, Jack Grealish bombed forward on the left hand side of the pitch with the ball at his feet um, and he kind of fell, it, it was very reminiscent of um, the Crystal Palace one just not directly in front of goal where he kind of like falls but scoops the ball forward as he's doing so and uh, he finds Matt Target yeah, left back Matt Target and uh, Target has an absolute like striker's finish and just, uh, slams the ball past Ryan in the Brighton net yeah, what, what, the whole the whole situation was just madness to me. I, I 
I, I basically was about to just walk out of the pub, to be honest with you. Like, I already cleared my tab up in, like, the 85th. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I'm standing there. I got my jacket on and everything. I'm waiting for the full-time whistle. And as soon as Jack goes down, and like you said, it was very reminiscent of the Crystal Palace game, I was almost half expecting them to give him a yellow card for simulation. Like, it, it's, it's, I'm starting to have, like, PTSD about some of the decisions against Villa. So it's hard for me to, like, celebrate. But Matt Target... What a player coming in off the left. I, and you're right, he slams it in the back of the net. Um, he had a free kick opportunity a little earlier on. It, was, it wasn't, you know, soon, soon before this. But, oh, man, you, got, you love to see it. And it's one of those last-minute goals, and that's what makes sports so great is the drama and everything. But, I mean, unlikely as it could be, Matt Target. I mean, I, I didn't think he would get any goal really this season let alone one that you know means this much especially again with the fixtures that are coming up you know Villa needed this they needed that to happen um I I just I, I still feel it was an underwhelming performance for Villa uh, you know as as a whole as a squad but Matt Target oh man I I, I don't know I, I kind of lost it and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm you know a little hunkered down with a head cold right now the weather's changing over here pretty rapidly but I, I, was, I was screaming my head off I mean the point where the Spurs fans around me were like this this kid has completely just lost his mind <laughs> I think you know we've we've been treated to so much Neil Taylor in the past that you know if that was Neil Taylor in that position I don't think he's, he's scoring that um so I think you know no one really expected one target to be in that position and two him to score. So it, it was, I guess you know, the, it, for me it was the most exciting part of the game. You know, like it, it, no nobody expected it to happen. But those are the best things, like as you said about sport, the things that you don't expect to happen, the things that happen in the very very last you know minute of the game. It it, it was just you know a, a real feel good goal, I guess. Yeah, and that like again, that's just what it's all about to me is that kind of drama. You know, it's it's almost like theater, and you can't really ever predict it's going to happen. And and most of the time, it doesn't. You don't get a goal with that little time left in a game. It doesn't matter what sport you watch, what sport you're passionate about, what club you're passionate about. I mean, I was walking out of that pub, and there was all kinds of different people from different clubs there, and they were like, "That was awesome to see." I I can only imagine what that feels like, and I'm like, it's 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 like walking. It's because you sit there for so long, especially with Villa having the main advantage and you're, you're sitting there and you're like come on come are we gonna do are we gonna do anything are we gonna get even a decent chance and you're watching tom heaton make these saves and you're watching el ghazi jog up and down the field and you're like oh they just don't have it in them today they just don't have it and then for something like that to happen just the lid just pops off of everything and you know we needed those three points i think they were i think it was a lot bigger than people try to make believe i know it's still early in the season and everything but picking up three points against teams that you can look at and be like okay we might be able to get something from it and then to get three points out of it, I think that's massive for Villa. Yeah, and I, I want to kind of um, talk about one player in particular, and you, you already know who it's going to be. It's Jack. He he had an unbelievable performance, um, in, in my opinion. You know, he really kind of grabbed the team and and you know hoisted them onto his back, and he really carried the side through the match. You know, he registered a goal, registered an assist. And, you know, he, there was a, a post-match interview um, where he was talking about, you know, the the controversial moments of the game, the, you know, the goals and so forth. And he was asked if he was aware that uh, Gareth Southgate, the England head coach, was in attendance. And he, he kind of, like, looks towards the camera and he's like, oh, was he? That's nice. Yeah, and I think that's so cool that, like, Jack had this 
Jack showed what we know he's capable of. Again, it's against Brighton, and some people might have an opinion about that. But he controlled a football game, and he controlled it for 90-plus minutes. He had the assist on, on the game-winning goal. Um, you, you can't undervalue that. But for the fact of, like, Jack Grealish obviously wants to get into the England squad. The manager of England's in the stands. Jack doesn't know, so he can't be either overly excited or overly nervous. He's just playing his natural game at that point. Now, I don't know if that was planned. I don't know if they, you know, if people knew that and they kept that away from Jack or Gareth just happened to pop up at Villa Park to watch a game. Either which way, the fact that he didn't know and still put on a performance like that, I I think it cements him into getting a a call up, especially see all this stuff with uh, Madison out of the casino after saying he's ill and stuff like that. I, I, Gareth Southgate doesn't seem like the kind of man who's going to put up with nonsense or shenanigans. And I think that that's exactly what happened in the case of Madison. Again, that's just my opinion. But if you're going to drop James Madison because of maybe behavioral issues or something, you know, you don't like the way he handled that situation. I can't think of another midfielder in all of England that I would rather put in there than Jack Grealish. And I think on this, the assist for the winning goal, a goal himself. I mean, Dean Smith said it in a, in a uh, he had a quote about, you know, it won't be written about, it won't be talked about, it won't be covered. But Jack Grealish, there was there was a moment in the game where Jack Grealish lost the ball in the final third of his own pitch. Lost it. He was tackled, fairly tackled. Grealish hits the deck, jumps back up, sprints 60 yards the other way, and makes a tackle in his own box and clears the ball. That was a captain's performance. That was one of the most complete, all-around, 100% well-rounded performances you're going to see from Jack Grealish. And if that becomes a standard of his play, the entire league better watch out because he's 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 going to take the league by storm. I'm telling you, Regan. I mean, he, I completely agree with you. But like statistically as well, he stood out. You know, he he had an 87% pass accuracy. Um, I think he made eight passes into the final third, and seven of these were were accurate. Um, he was fouled eight times, um, cementing his position in uh, last season's most fouled player of the season um and he's he's currently the most failed player this season as well um i think he had eight touches in the opposition 18 yard box and won a third of his offensive duels as well as obviously the goal and assist you know do, do, do you think you know the, the, it's it's one of those things i, I don't really want to like jinx it but like do, do you get worried about him being injured at all you know he's picked up injuries in the past few seasons that have had him out for a, a decent period of time and villa have struggled when he's not in the side oh of course and i think it's natural to think that i mean it, you know with the rant i just had about you know people better watch out it has to be there has to be a little seed of doubt in every aston villa's you know aston villa supporters mind here that well what ha- what happens if he's injured you know, what, what do we do? Who do we put in that in that position? Um, and that, that's a question that should be asked. Uh, he hasn't had the greatest time in terms of staying healthy for the past couple of seasons. And yes, Villa do, do struggle and they struggle. Uh, to, and this is being kind. They struggle mightily without Jack Grealish in that team. So I think it's always going to be there. But maybe it's one of those things that if Grealish does pick up a knock or something like that, he's going to try to play through like some sort of pain threshold. I just... I hope it's not a shin thing because it seems like he has a little bit of problems with his shins. And, you know, that's something that can be, you know, worked on and maintained. You know, he's a footballer. You're going to get kicked around a little bit. That's just the way it goes. It's it's a part of the game. You can't get away from it. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's between the injury thing or, you know, relying on him too much. Like, if he's dragging Villa to a mid-table finish or even right above the relegation zone at the end of, the, you know, the season – that all also worries me because, like, what if he just gets tired of doing it? What if he's like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of being the guy. I'm tired of being the only one, 
you know, that's, that's dragging this team through, you know, draws and, and three points whenever we can muster them. Um, so that, that's a little worrisome to me. But again, you know, Grealish is one of our own. So I, I obviously I'm not saying that he gets sold in January or anything crazy, ridiculous like that. But it's a little it's it's a cause for concern where you think of what happens with this team without Jack Grealish. I mean, just think about it in the games we've played in the Premier League so far this season. Imagine where we would be on the table and how results would fall without Jack Grealish. And if that doesn't scare you, I, I don't know what's going to scare you. I don't think it's a cause for worry in regards to like him getting tired of carrying the team because I think that's what he thrives off. I think you know he's especially an Ellis captain. You know, I think I think as a boyhood Villa fan, I think it's everything he's ever dreamed of. And I think regardless of whether we're finishing, you know, like seventeenth or first, you know, he's. I don't think he'll ever tire of being appreciated as much as he is at Villa. And I, th- I can't remember who. It, yeah, it was Matt Target in, in a post-match presser. Um, he he said that uh, for for Grealish's assist for Target's goal, that he heard a shout uh, from behind him saying him to leave it, and he left it for for Grealish. And he said basically, you know, when you hear that shout, you listen, and you let him work his magic. And the players know that that he's that he's the talisman in this side. Yeah, it's a massive thing. It's it's his club at the end of the day. It, it just. For for me, man, I just I, I think he does need to have a little bit more talent around him, and it's not it's not a it's not me talking negatively about any of the other players that we have. I mean, we we spent a lot of money this past summer. Everybody knows that we know the kind of talent that we have brought in, but I, I still think it's one of those things where these players are are going to get better and they're going to grow together. It's a young core. I love that. I, I think it's great, and hopefully these players grow into that role and they're able to help Jack out a little bit more. I just I don't like the fact that. It seems so heavy, like heavy on his shoulders. I guess, yeah, he is going to feed off that, and it is his club, and he's obviously Villa through and through, all that sort of thing, all that romanticism, and that's great. But I mean, at some point in time, does he? I don't know if he ever gets tired of that or not. And that's something that's probably just me having a little bit of, you know, Villa supporter anxiety about it. I'm probably very wrong in, in, in saying that, but I don't know, man. I just, I just want it to last forever. I want him to just keep running the show forever and. Uh, what he did against Brighton, that's exactly what he did. And even under in an underwhelming performance, he stood head and shoulders above anybody else on that pitch. And I, I can't get enough of it. So I, I just hope it continues. And the next three matches, like, again, I've said it a couple times now, it's just, they're, they're tough. It's a tough three matches coming up for Villa. Well, yeah, we've got uh, Man City, Wolves in the Carabao Cup and Liverpool. And, you know, Moving back towards Grealish before we just discuss this, if Grealish can, um, you know, spark a great, great performance against either City or Liverpool, you know, he's really gonna put his name in contention for one, um, the the England call up, and two for for being one of the most you know feared creative players in the league. I think if he has anywhere, I'll say even a seven point one match rating against City or Liverpool, he gets a call up. It doesn't even have to be great. It, he just has to do his thing. And if it comes off, we're all going to be elated. If it doesn't, so be it. But yeah, even an average performance, a bang average performance against City or Liverpool, he's got to get in the England squad for me. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that we, we get any points from, from either of those two Premier League games? Being as unbiased as I as I can be, my uh, again, my, my heart is telling me a point and a win against Wolves in the Cup is best possible scenario my head's telling me not a prayer against city and liverpool but i i do think we can beat wolves 
I mean, they're they're starting to come alive a little bit here. You know, it's it's not it's not Wolves from you know years and years and years ago. They're starting to play a little bit. Adama Traore is starting to hit form. All of a sudden, he learned how to cross a ball, which is weird. Um, so I don't know. For me, the City and Liverpool, it, you got to go into it, and you got to go into it without fear, and just don't get shellacked like six nil in each. And I'm totally okay with it. At the same point in time. Oh, man, if we if we manage to beat City or Liverpool, like I'm I'm on the I'm on national news for running down the street with my shirt off. Honest to God, <laughs> I don't think you'll necessarily make the news for uh, running down the street with your shirt off. But maybe if you were absolutely stalkers, then maybe you would. Well, I mean, just just the way I'd be screaming, they would think I was either high on something or ha- had some kind of you know disability. It would be very concerning to some people. But I mean, I I don't know. Like I I I will always have the belief that Aston Villa can beat anyone on any given day. I'm not one of the supporters that cowers over that. I saw a lot, a lot of people like, oh, I'm not even going to bother. Well, not a, I can't say a lot of people. I saw very few people say they're not even going to bother watching the City game next Saturday. It's the early game. They're like, oh, I'm just going to sleep in because there's no point. Well, why would you do that? Like, why, 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 why would you not watch this? Like, this, this, this could be something magical. You never know what you're going to see on, on any given any given fixture. So why would you shy away from that? And I think Dean Smith's going to pound that into in his players' heads as well. Is like, what, what, what do we got to lose here? Go out and play the the best possible game you can play against these teams. And yeah, they're powerhouses of the Premier League. And yeah, probably Villa aren't going to get anything from both the matches. But if it happens, it's going to be something really special. I'm telling you. There's, there's definitely something to watch for for the Man City game, at least, because we'll be playing in our third kit for the first time. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. They are playing in the third kit. That's 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 pretty sweet. Yeah, that, that, you know, even even if we uh, get trollocked 6-0, then, you know, we'll, we'll have seen the third kit, and it'll probably be the last time we ever see it, because it'll be marred by a poor performance. But, you know, it's, it's still an exciting thing to look forward to. I think it is too. Like I said, I, I don't see why any Villa supporter, you know, any proud and, you know, Villa supporter would have any reason whatsoever to shy away from these games. I, I think this is, this is what we wanted. You know, we're not playing Rotherham anymore, no disrespect to them or anything like that. But like this, this is what you want to do. You want to test what you have against the very, very best. And yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. And you know, you're going to get decisions that are going to go their way instead of yours, you know, get prepared for that. That's what's going to happen. But like, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like me just pounding my fist on a table and being like, we're Aston Villa. Damn it. Like, let's go after it. Let's, let's, let's go after him a little bit here. Yeah, I I I don't think we're just going to roll over and you know let them let them win. I think it will be a good game, and I think I'm probably going to say the City one's going to be closer than the Liverpool one with the current way that both sides are currently playing. Yeah, on current form, I think Liverpool's going to be. I, they're just insane. It looks like a machine. I'm, I'm, most of my mates over here in the states, and I, I you know I hate saying it. You know, it's a little bit of embarrassing for me to admit this, but. Most of my friends that I watch football with, they're Liverpool supporters, and they've become Liverpool supporters over the past three years. So it's tough for me to, you know, talk shop with them when they're basically watching, you know, this one of the best teams that maybe have played in the Premier League in, in a long, long while, and it's just so robotic to them, and they're so on point. It doesn't even seem like it's football. It seems like it's some kind of weird cyber matrix, and everything just clicks all the time. And you know, for for me, I I don't know. Yeah, they're great and everything, but it's so robotic sometimes, and. 
it's it's I don't know I like I like the little bit of scrumminess I like the the dirt of, of football so much like this this pristine machine that Liverpool have I don't know if it's for me and it's, it's especially with having friends of mine that are new to, new to the sport basically and they think that's how every team are and it's like no that's 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 one of the better teams you're going to see in a very long time yeah I think that's probably the best place to to end this uh this podcast you know I think really you you've you've got to end it on a point where you 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 say that Villa aren't necessarily the best team in the Premier League they're probably not the best team uh by far but you know it's it's an enjoyment in in watching uh you know a team grow it's an enjoyment in watching a a poor team become a good team it's an enjoyment in not you know, I, I don't. Whilst I say it now, I don't think that I would enjoy you know beating every other team five one every week. No, and that's what I kind of bang home to him. And then like you, I, I talk to these guys about relegation and like how that whole happened. And more more than a handful of my friends that support Liverpool were like, well, why why even bother then? Like why even bother watching if they're no good? And I think it's that just like a little bit of American sensationalism where it ha- your team has to be great, and if you don't like that team, you just pick another one. And that's when I kind of bang it home to him. I was like, you realize you you pick Liverpool forever, right? You realize in twenty years time, you 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 have to be Liverpool. Like it, it's that it's that old saying that you can change anything else in your life, but you you can never change your your football club. And that that was the way I was taught to watch the game. And you know. Uh, you know, you can talk about all the romanticism and whatnot about it, but uh, it's it's tough for me to drill home to them how how football is actually played when they're basically watching, like I said, just an amazing team week in and week out. Yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably it for this week. But before we get into the whole outro, um, we're going to continue with our little song choice polls for Twitter. So what have, what have you picked this week, Mark? Man, I've been on a hip hop kick, like a like a early to mid '90s hip hop kick. Uh, I listen to everything, you know. So you guys are gonna see this in the coming weeks here. There, there really isn't a genre of music that I don't listen to. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a House of Pain song from the 1994 album "Same as It Ever Was." The song is called "I'ma Swing It." And uh, I don't know, it just made me made me feel like after, you know, you got a got a punch in on Brighton there at the death, punched him right in the mouth. So it just seemed like a fitting song for this week. I don't really have an explanation for mine. It's just something I've been listening to and kind of enjoying recently. And it's a song called Revin by Ocean Wisdom featuring Dizzy Rascal. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll put that below the uh, podcast announcement post, and you can you can vote away on who's who you think has the better song. Mark won by a, an absolute landslide victory last week, so hopefully I can get a, a point back. Um, if you enjoyed our podcast, please give us a you know, subscribe, like, a mention, all those kind of stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook, forward slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Um, and just a quick announcement that I forgot to mention at the start of this podcast, uh, we're doing a second podcast, uh, but this one is about the Aston Villa women. You can find it in the exact same spot if you're subscribed to this podcast on the likes of, you know, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Uh, it'll, it'll be straight in your uh, your app. You know, you'll, you'll get a notification for it. So, if you want to learn more about the, the Villa women, if you uh, enjoy our content on them already, then g- give it a listen. Thanks for listening, and up the Villa.